Would anyone like to borrow my sign? Come on, be honest. Who would like to borrow my sign? Be honest. Who would like to borrow my sign? Right? There are days that all of us would like to walk around with one of these hung around our necks. Because you and I have a rhythm to our lives every day. A process, a continuity, a uniformity to the way we live. Every day you and I have things that we want to get done. And so the question is, how do you feel when that rhythm gets interrupted or disturbed? How do you view that person who causes the disturbance? How do you feel when the things you want to get done don't get done? If we were honest, again, I think most of us would have to admit that we see those people as a nuisance. Those situations as something that we have to endure. And we usually view them of lesser value than what we are trying to accomplish for ourselves. But listen, because you and I are believers in Christ, because we believe in a sovereign God, we need to try to view interruptions in a different way. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes this, We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. We may pass them by, preoccupied with our more important tasks. It is a strange fact that Christians and even ministers uh-oh, frequently consider their work so important and urgent that they will allow nothing to disturb them. They think they are doing God a service in this, but actually they are disdaining God's crooked yet straight path. Listen, for the sake of the kingdom of God and for the sake of those people in whom the Spirit of God is at work, we've got to remember that in our mind we plan our ways, but the Lord directs our steps. Can we agree with that? In our minds, we, we plan our way, but the Lord directs our steps. Therefore, God's interruptions should excite us, right? Forget this, right? God's interruptions should excite us. Because God's imagination is so much bigger than ours. The things he has planned for us, the things that he can accomplish through us, when we embrace these interruptions, are so much bigger and better than what we could plan for ourselves. I pray that's what we see this morning as we come again to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. If you have your Bibles with you, I ask you to turn to that Gospel and to that chapter, Matthew chapter 1. And when you've turned there, if you will stand, we will hear read together the reading of the Word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, this is the word of the Lord. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for preserving it for us. Thank you for the story that your word tells us. Thank you, Lord, that your truth, your story can change us as you are writing our story. So, Father, we pray that we would submit ourselves now to your word and to its authority and to its truth, to the example set for us in your word about how it is we should live lives of trust and faith before you. So accomplish this in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Clearly, the story that we have before us this morning is an interruption story. It is a story of a divine disturbance. Because Joseph had a good rhythm going in his life. He had met the girl that he loved. He wanted to marry her. He had asked her to marry him, and she had agreed. And so in these course of months, Joseph was making all the preparations that needed to be made to, to take Mary home as his wife. And then God interrupted his life. And Joseph finds out that Mary is expecting a baby that wasn't his. But Joseph is a good man. He's not a vengeful person. He doesn't want to, to harm Mary or to put her to shame. And so he, he decides that he will just quietly divorce her. But then what? What would Joseph have to do in order to get his life back on track to reestablish that good rhythm and that continuity and that normalcy he had before? Well, with this interruption... Joseph joins the ranks of those whose lives God divinely disturbed and unexpectedly interrupted for a bigger purpose. You know these stories. Moses, he had a rhythm to his life. He tended sheep. And he didn't wake up one morning before he went off to tend sheep saying, Today I think I will look for a bush that's on fire but doesn't burn up. And I think I'll look for a bush that's on fire, it doesn't burn up, that has a voice of God speaking from it. Yes, that's what I'll do. No. Gideon had a rhythm to his life. He was beating out weed in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites because they were stealing all the food as they oppressed Israel. Gideon didn't wake up one morning and say, I hope the angel of the Lord will come and sit under a tree today and watch me work. And I hope that that angel, the pre-incarnate Christ, will say to me, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. But that's what happened. God divinely disturbed and unexpectedly interrupted Gideon 
This one God called a man of valor, yet Gideon said that he was the least in his family and that his family was the weakest in the clan of all Manasseh. David had a rhythm to his life. He too was a tender of sheep, just a young boy. He didn't wake up one morning and think to himself as he was on his way to, to be a shepherd, self, today I will be anointed king over Israel. But God divinely disturbed David's life and unexpectedly interrupted him. And while he was tending sheep, his father sent for him because the prophet Samuel had come and the prophet Samuel anointed him as king over Israel. And as Samuel was pouring the oil over David, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him from that day forward. (laughs) Please imagine. We know the stories of these men who were divinely interrupted and how that divine disturbance advanced the kingdom of God. Moses, of course, becomes one of the greatest leaders of all time, leading God's people out of the slavery of Egypt, delivering to them the law of God. Gideon, with 300 men, defeated an army that was so large it looked like locusts, and their camels were without number as the sand on the seashore. Gideon delivered them by the power of God. David became one of the greatest kings of all time. And from his line, the line of David, came Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. See, this is what happens through people who embrace the divine disturbances and the unexpected interruptions. We can fast forward to the time that Jesus is no longer referred to as the angel of the Lord because now he has taken on human flesh and he walks upon the earth. And Matthew, the one whose life Jesus divinely disturbed that day as he sat at his booth collecting taxes, Matthew makes a point of recording interruption stories. So as we watch these stories... We, we learn in them and through them how it is that we ourselves might handle these interruptions. In chapters 5 through 7 of this gospel of Matthew, he records the Sermon on the Mount. A time where Jesus is in the mode that we anticipate that the Son of God should be in. Right? He's teaching the people the, the, the truth of God and the way to live their lives, we say, yes, yes, this is the right rhythm for Jesus. This is what we expect the Son of God should be doing. So do not disturb. Right? Don't disturb him. Not while he's doing this. Now, if you will, turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. And here's the thing I'm not worried about skipping ahead because by the time we actually get to chapter 8, you'll have forgotten everything I'm going to say anyway. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. They've been, Jesus has been teaching on the mountain. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him. And now before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. One interruption. Not so bad. Look at verse 5. Now when he entered Capernaum, A centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Hmm, two interruptions. Now look at verse 14. 
And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her. Oh, three interruptions. Look in verse 16, when Jesus should be at home relaxing. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Four interruptions. Look at verse 18. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side, right? Trying to get away from the crowd. (laughs) But look, even the boat ride and the sleep that Jesus hoped to get on the boat ride was interrupted. Look in verse 24. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but Jesus was asleep. And they went and woke him up saying, save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Five interruptions. Well, then they get to the other side of the lake. Look in verse 28. And when they came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tombs so fierce that no one could pass that way. And Jesus cast the demons out of them. Sixth interruption. Now, look in Matthew chapter 1. Getting back into the boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And Jesus healed him. Seventh interruption. Then Matthew tells the story of his own interruption. Now look in verse 18. And while Jesus is teaching the disciples, okay, finally... Jesus is back doing what he's supposed to be doing. Behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and, uh, Jesus rose and followed him and his disciples. But then, look at this. This eighth interruption gets interrupted. Look in verse 20. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I'll be made well. And Jesus turned and seeing her said, take heart, my daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. So now after the ninth interruption, Jesus can get back to the eighth interruption, right? In verse 23, Jesus comes to the ruler's house. And as you read the verses, he brings his daughter back to life. Nine interruptions and those few verses. Can you imagine? Where was Jesus going? What was he attempting to accomplish when he kept getting interrupted? Was he attempting to get more gospel preaching or teaching of his disciples accomplished? Or was interruption life as Jesus expected it to be? Matthew doesn't say. But what is clear is that interruptions represented people. And Jesus loved people. You know that, don't you? Jesus loved people, particularly the ones in need. He came to earth for people to save them in and sometimes from the situation in which he found them. He never didn't have time For people. For Jesus, interruptions were opportunities.
And as Jesus responded to each of these interruptions, one after the other after the other, the glory of the Father shone brighter and brighter and brighter. So back to Joseph and his upended, interrupted life. How's Joseph going to respond to this divine disturbance? Well, you heard the story. An angel appears to him and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The child she's carrying is conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. That baby will save people from their sins. How could you possibly believe such a thing? By faith. By faith. And so Joseph embraces this divine disturbance. Verse 24, Joseph did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And so this divine disturbance (laughs) assured that forever after, Joseph's life would have a different rhythm. Because now Joseph would be the earthly father of the Son of God. His life would be much different than the quiet, normal one that he had imagined. So while we're talking about divine interruptions, we can't miss the contrast that Matthew is putting before us. As we've talked about each week since we have begun this series in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew writes to show people that Jesus is the fulfillment of all God's promises. And so look in verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And that prophet was Isaiah. And Isaiah made this prophecy in chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah, follow one more story with me, if you will, makes his promise to Ahaz, the king of Judah. And it's a time when Ahaz's life was being interrupted because there was an enemy army besieging Jerusalem. And so Ahaz was afraid and and all of Jerusalem was afraid because this enemy army uh, had determined to, to tear Judah apart and to replace him as king. Scripture says the hearts of the people shook like trees of the forest shaken by the wind. But here's the deal. King Ahaz was a descendant of King David, the one to whom God had made this promise. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Therefore, based on the promise of God, Ahaz should have had faith in the midst of his interruption. But he did not. Instead of trusting in God to deliver him, he groveled before another king. Oh, come and save me. In order to pay that king, he went to the, to the house of God, to the temple, and he took the gold from the temple, and he took the silver from the temple. He said, here, take this. If only you will come and save me. But God is gracious. And so he sends Isaiah to King Ahaz to encourage Ahaz, put your trust in the Lord. And Isaiah says, don't worry about those who are besieging you. Nothing is going to come of their plan. It's not going to happen. And Isaiah tells Ahaz, if you don't stand firm in faith, you'll not stand at all. And then to further encourage Ahaz, God said, Ahaz, ask for a sign, any sign 
from the deepest depths or in the highest heights. In other words, God's saying to Ahaz, think big, Ahaz. Be extreme. Ask for something that's really beyond normal, beyond your knowledge of what is really high or really deep. And I will give you that sign, is what God's saying, so that your faith may be increased. But Ahaz was a wicked man. And so he refused to ask for a sign. No, I won't ask for a sign. And so Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin shall conceive. And so here's an opportunity for Ahaz to put his faith in God, in the coming Christ. The opportunity that every person in the Old Testament had to put their faith in what God promised to do, the promises that would find fulfillment in Christ. And that's the opportunity that every one of us in this room have this morning. To put our faith and to put our trust in the one who, as God, came to earth, took on flesh, lived among us, and died for us to save us from our real enemy, sin and death. Ahaz could have used this interruption to increase his trust and his faith in God. It could have been an opportunity to showcase the glory of God, but Ahaz chose to respond to his interruption in a different way. So once again, same story. Judah comes under attack. The towns were raided. Once again, Ahaz repeats his faithless behavior. Once again, he sends for another king. Once again, he pays them with gold and silver from the temple. But this time, Ahaz went further. And he said, since the kings, since the gods of the kings of Aram, Aram have helped them, I will sacrifice to them so they will help me. And so Ahaz sacrifices to these foreign gods. Ahaz dies after 16 years of misused power. And they didn't even place his body in the tomb of the kings. So here's the thing. Matthew here shows us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the sign that God gave to Ahaz, this faithless man, to engender faith in a man in whom there was fear. Jesus is the fulfillment of the sign that God gave to engender trust and hope in his power to deliver even when it seemed impossible. And Matthew embeds this story in the story of Joseph, the man whose life God unexpectedly interrupted and divinely disturbed. And Matthew puts the contrast here for all to see especially all for whom God interrupts their lives. Ahaz, right here, had a promise. The virgin shall conceive a barren son. In faith, he should have believed it, even when his life was interrupted, but he did not. Joseph had the promise. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph acted in faith and obeyed the Lord. And so here's the comparison for us, right? Ahaz. Faithless, Joseph, faithful. God is going to interrupt our lives, right? Did you know that? (laughs) God is going to interrupt our lives. Sometimes with intimidating situations. Sometimes with seemingly impossible situations. And sometimes with seemingly insignificant situations. And maybe that's most often the case. 
And we can make the Ahaz choice or the Joseph choice. And both choices could have been made not based on the strength of character of Ahaz or Joseph or the bravery of the man making the decision. Instead, based on the faithfulness and the power of the Lord to bring about his purpose. God is a big God with a big purpose and big power to bring it all about. And when we get that vision, it'll be okay when God interrupts our lives and gives us, you and me, a different rhythm. The converse is true as well. When you and I don't have a big vision for what God's doing. When our world is small, we don't like our plans to be interrupted. And we like to wear the sign, do not disturb. So we need a big vision this morning, right? For the sake of the kingdom of God, and for the sake of those in whom the Spirit of God is at work, we've got to remember that in our mind, we plan our ways, but God directs our steps. Interruptions do not mean that you are in the wrong place at the wrong time. Those interruptions may be what God is using to make a difference in the life of another person for the sake of the gospel. Those interruptions may be what God's using to grow his kingdom in you and through you in ways you never imagined. So let's do this. I'm going to do this. Right? And throw it away. Be willing to set aside your plan. To change your rhythm. Don't get frustrated. Don't get irritated by the interruption. And don't be afraid of them. Start looking as interruptions as God-designed opportunities for the gospel and for kingdom advancement. They're not obstacles to your goal because God's goal for you may be different. And on any given day when you wake up, God may have more for you, much more than you Have self-appointed and the tasks that you have for yourself. And listen, if you're worried about this, and this is what we're all worried about, it's time, right? I don't have time for an interruption. I'm just going to give you this principle and we're done. It's from Joel chapter 2, verse 25. God says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. God is so amazing. Somehow he restores what we think has been lost, what locusts have eaten up. God can restore that time to us so that you and I can embrace the interruptions. So don't worry about perceived loss because God can restore it. So I pray that we will embrace the interruptions in our lives and see what God will do through them. But most importantly, I pray that we all embrace the greatest interruption of all time. In the fullness of time, God interrupted the world. He interrupted the dark sky with a bright star. He interrupted the stillness of the night with an angel saying, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And a multitude of the heavenly host join the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. 
peace among those with whom he is pleased. I pray your life will be interrupted by Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you again that it records truth. Lord, what we've read this morning, so much of your word is true. It really happened. We see how you interrupt people's lives. And we see how you take those interruptions and use them for your glory to display the gospel and to bring change and to advance your kingdom and to allow people to, by, by faith, to enter into your kingdom, to find salvation in you, Lord Jesus. So we, we thank you for that. And we pray, Lord, that you would, by faith, enable us, allow us to embrace those interruptions as from you. Lord, when we look at another person, may we not ever see them as a nuisance or an interruption. Lord, I pray that you would help us enter into that moment whenever it is and wherever it is and ask ourselves, how can this be a gospel moment? How can this be a gospel opportunity, Lord, to advance your kingdom? And Lord, if you're gracious to to bring someone into your family as they place their faith in you, So thank you that joy can be ours and not fear. As we look into the next moment and the next day, not knowing what lies ahead, not knowing how you'll disturb or interrupt our lives. But joy is ours, Lord, because you've come. You've come. And as far as the curse is found, Lord, you will remove it. And so with joy and thanksgiving, we embrace you by faith and all the interruptions you bring into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.